Well, um, in, in a bit of a leading story in talking about hunger tonight, um, I'm going to tell you about a story about a time when I was actually working for myself in Albany as a building designer slash drafts person. And, um, and I worked for myself and had a bit of work at that stage. But then the global financial crisis hit and my work dried up. And all of a sudden, I, I just needed work. I just needed any job because I needed to like, work to eat, right? Um, I mean, two-minute noodles was okay, but after the 50th packet, I wanted a little bit of an upgrade. Uh, maybe, maybe from two-minute noodles to migraine. That's a, that's a very good upgrade. Um, and all the YWAM has said. Um, and <laughs> yeah, here you go. Um, and, and so I, I just needed work, any work. So I found myself going to this employment agency in Albany, going to this building and saying, just give me a job, any job. There are, all right, mate, there's a, there's a fishing boat that's just arrived in Albany. You can unload the fishing boat. So I was like, I'll take it. And so I found myself in the hull of this ship in this freezing cold, dark, dingy fishing boat unloading frozen fish into a crate. And it was excruciating work. And what it was, it was my hunger that drove me to do it. I just didn't care what the job was. I just wanted to do it. And do you know what? It was actually one of the most humbling times of my life because at that stage a few months earlier, I started to date my wife. And, um, and you know, as a man, you just want to end the provider. I just have a job. I'm like, take you out on a date, shout you, shout your meal. Um, and so, so I wanted to, you know, I'm a man, I work. But then I was looking for my job, and the most humbling thing about it, about it was I actually went to the same building. This employment agency was actually an, an arm that was related under the banner of this organization, and Jess was a manager at this place, overseeing this community service outreach program. Here am I as like the boyfriend. Can I have a job, please? And next door, my wife's like just managing people and everything. Oh, it was such a humbling experience that I went through. And, um, but it was my hunger that drove me to do it. And when you're hungry, you do anything, right? Um, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 26, it says, The appetite of the laborer motivates him. His hunger drives him on. Hunger is what can motivate, just not, not a physical hunger only, but maybe a hunger for like glory. Like right now, who watched the Olympic ceremony, opening ceremony the other night? Well, these athletes have like a, got a hunger since they were like 10 years old, since they've been watching the Olympics, to stand on that podium and receive that Olympic gold medal. And it's a hunger that has caused them to do things a normal person wouldn't do, like getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning to go and swim and and, and they're saying no to all their friends going out. And they were, they're, they're staying back to prepare for the Olympic Games. And the same thing with the Premiership. Um, right now, we've got a few footy players I see here, a few footy fans. And, but the amount of effort and training behind closed doors that these AFL players, the sacrifice that they put in to one day hold up that Premiership Cup, it's all driven by hunger that spurs, that spurs them on. And we can all be driven by hunger for success, maybe for a job, a career, a house, car, security, holidays, to be married, to have kids. There's a level of hunger that can drive us on. And, and, and that's good hunger. I think it's good to be motivated. It's good to have a hunger to go after the things that we desire. But then there's a different hunger, and it's something called a spiritual hunger. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, says this. It says that God has set eternity in the human heart. I don't know if you can see that on the screen right there. Um, I'll give you the reference so you can just write it down if needed. Are we, are we just going to quit the screen or is it working? Okay. Ah, okay. Blame me. It's my, it's my, it's my fault. 
<laughs> I didn't actually. I remember. I specifically didn't. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. So good. Uh, yeah, I'll just add, add some more humble pie. It tastes great. Thanks. Um, and so, although we're a physical person, we have physical hunger, God has set in our heart a hunger for things that are of eternity, a hunger for things that are eternal, that are spiritual. And the thing is, it's only spiritual food that can satisfy spiritual hunger. But too often, we try to satisfy a spiritual hunger with things that aren't spiritual. And we're left unsatisfied. We're left, we're left unfulfilled. We chase after our goals, our relationships, possessions, achievements, believing it'll make it happy. But then we discover that the same hunger remains inside of us. We're like, but I've achieved a premiership. I've achieved a gold medal or whatever your equivalent might be. We can let, be left just as hungry as we were because we're scratching the wrong itch, the physical itch, a spiritual itch with something else. Um, it's a little bit like eating junk food, right? You know when you're really hungry? You just, want to, you just want to be filled. You're on the road. You're in the rush. So you do the bottom of the rung thing and you drive through Maccas. And, um, and you get filled up by junk food. And for a moment, you feel great. And maybe you follow it up with a nice uh, Magnum ice cream. Chocolate chip on the outside into the white ones with chocolate bits. Oof. Oh, hello. Yeah, they're beautiful. Um, Caltex. Caltex supplies them. Um, <laughs> and it leaves us feeling like, yeah, sugar rush for a moment. It feels good. It satisfies me. But you know what? The reason you hunger is because your body's crying out for nutrition. <laughs> which kind of doesn't exist in Maccas. I mean, they say it does, but, but you're, you're, you're left feeling like worse for it because you've, you've, you're malnourished. And the thing is the same with our spiritual hunger. We can kind of fix it or band-aid it with other things that we can fill ourselves up temporarily, but we're spiritually, we remain spiritually mal, malnourished. Um, and what we find is that we're trying to fill something. Imagine like there's, there's a, a container or a cistern the word is. A container in yourself, you're trying to fill up so you feel full and satisfied, but it's like it's cracked and you're just perpetually pouring more and more and more into it, but you just aren't satisfied. And this is a picture that Jeremiah gives us. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. And it says, for my people have done two evil things. When it's evil, it's like this word wicked. It's like um, things that you're not created for. It's a broken image. It's not quite working. For my people have done two things that just don't work. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water. Like they've given up on the living water and they've come to replace me with like a counterfeit, a fake that might look okay but doesn't work. They've done two things. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. In other words, they've, they've abandoned the true life source and now they're trying to fill their lives up with stuff that actually... It's like we, we become a cracked cistern. And, and what we do when, when one cistern is broken and cracked, we, 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 we dispose it. And we, well, we want another one. And that one won't work. And then we try to replace it. And, and we get another one. And what we do is begin to bl- blame our situations. We go, oh, the problem, the reason I'm not satisfied is I don't have the right job. Maybe it's the people, yeah, it's the people around me. That's the problem why I'm not satisfied and fulfilled. Maybe it's my spouse. <laughs> Maybe it's the people I live with, my family. That's why I'm not satisfied. Maybe it's my financial situation. Once I, once, once, once I get, once I have a car, once I, have, once I get that job, once I'm earning this, once I, then I'll be satisfied. Once I, and, and we move from job to job or 
or, or we're perpetually longing for more. Maybe the problem is the government. That's the real problem. That's why I'm not satisfied. It's their fault. They're not satisfying me with the decisions that they're making. Or maybe it's the church. This church, just, oh, just got to replace it with another one. And we look at everything else for the reason why we're not satisfied and we get this grass is greener syndrome. And we've, <laughs> we've all experienced that, haven't we? The grass is greener and we move from place to place for the, for the endless search. Have, has, anyone, has anyone seen that documentary, The Endless Summer? It was made like in the 90s about these surfers who chased the perfect wave and they navigated the world. Yeah, ben, Ben's old enough to remember that. They <laughs> and I say that because I'm pretty much his age as well, so um, that's why I remember it as well. And, and they, they chase this endless summer. They chase the sun and the weather around the world looking for that elusive, perfect wave that will finally satisfy, that will finally satisfy me. Have you ever been on Instagram or Facebook and you just realize, you just... You're searching. You look. I mean, I've done it. You're like, I just, I just feel like I need. I just, you're just looking and watch a video, and you're, you're just looking and looking and looking and scrolling, and maybe this will. I don't know. Maybe this will make me feel better. You've, you've, you've just looking, searching, looking. I wonder if this next thing. Maybe that quote will. Yeah, that quote. Maybe that person. Maybe I'll, maybe that like. But it, it's this perpetual looking for satisfi- satisfaction, and and you know, but we've got the be- best food that we can ever have these days more than any time of history at our fingertips uber eats we've got all the food that can satisfy us we've got more entertainment than ever on things like netflix we've got the internet right where you can sit down in your lounge room and you can explore anything like you just have an idea and you can look it up you can pretty much you can look up videos and last that you can you can you can look at anything in the earth. You can search the earth for that, sat- that elusive satisfaction that we look for. You know what? Proverbs 17 verse 24 predicted the internet where it says the eyes of a fool ouch, are on the ends of the earth. It's like the eyes of the fool are perpetually looking. Maybe, maybe there, maybe here. Maybe that will finally satisfy me. Maybe this thing, maybe when I click on this thing, finally I'll be satisfied. You know what, Proverbs 27, 20 as well. It says, just, just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. It can be satisfied for a moment, but then you're like, the next thing. I've got the job, the next thing. The toy gets really old. I'm going to read a full-on quote from John Piper. Don't blame me, just blame him. So um, he gets all the blame for this quite heavy quote. You ready? He says this. He says, and I don't think this is on the screen. He says, almost everywhere you turn, the grass is greener than when you stand than where you stand, right? And the great tragedy for some of us is that even though this is the Spirit of God beckoning us to Himself, we turn away again and again to short-term, temporary, backfiring pleasures of pornography, drugs, alcohol, maybe a new toy, and everything turns to ashes in our hands. He says, The thrill of lust leaves the sediment of guilt and loneliness. The drugs and alcohol can't keep you from waking up in the real world again and again with your messed up relationships. And the new toy, it's just so boring in a few weeks. We've all experienced that. Like you have that moment of like, and then it just goes so quickly. We drink at broken cisterns. We eat bread that doesn't satisfy. And in the words of C.S. Lewis, rings more and more true. C.S. Lewis said this, this is good. He said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, right? 
The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If nothing in this world can, can, can truly satisfy that spiritual hunger that I have, then maybe actually the answer isn't here. Maybe it was actually created for another world, for something beyond this. And it's actually true. It's so true because nothing in this world will satisfy the deepest longing of our spiritual God-given hunger except for Him. God has set eternity in our hearts that we, like Dave's daughter, will be drawn to Him. That we wouldn't run off to all the other things. And all these other things are gifts that God wants to give us to enjoy from the safety and security of His arms, from the safety and security of His love. And so I'm just going to read some scripture that, can, that, that shows how much God satisfies it. God is good and He wants us to be satisfied. When we're satisfied in Him, we're truly free to enjoy things rather than need things. We can truly live free in life. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1 to 2. It says, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Hear that invitation. Even if you have no money. Thank you, God. That's a great equalizer. Anyone is welcome. The only thing that qualifies us is whether we're thirsty or not. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money. Come. Take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that doesn't give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you'll eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food, spiritual food. Jesus said in John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for a relationship with me to be made right with God, for they shall be filled. They shall be satisfied in a relationship with God. And Job, in chapter 22, verse 24 to 25, he said, if you give up your lust for money and throw your precious gold into the river, hey, by the way, if you're going to do that, can you just throw it in my pocket instead? That had the same effect. Just throw your gold towards me. Um, if you give up your lust for money and throw your precious gold into the river, the Almighty himself will be your treasure he will be your precious silver. If you're looking for treasure, He is our treasure that will never fade away. In Colossians 2 verse 3, it says, In Jesus lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And like Dan quoted earlier, he said, A single day, this is, this is King David with a whole nation at his fingertips. And what his conclusion is, is one single day, God, in your presence with you, in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere with other, with other royal pomp and the majesty and the accolades of people. One day with you, God, is better than a thousand spent elsewhere. I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. I'd rather have, I, I, I would easily give up having everything without God to have nothing with God. Because when I have God, I've got everything I could ever need. And then Psalm 63, verse 5, it says, King David says, You satisfy me more than the richest of foods, better than the biggest cheese platter, better than the biggest meal, better than the finest restaurant. You satisfy me. And so when, when we think about hunger and, and, hunger for the, and hunger for God, I like to think of hunger as being like an arm, right? And hunger is like the arm that extends out. And if you think about your hand being faith, Hunger is the arm that extends out our hands of faith to take hold of God. It's like without hunger, we've just got faith. 
and, and that's good. It can take hold of God. But, but hunger drives us towards God, and faith takes hold of who God is and pulls him towards us. And so what I, what I want to do tonight is to cultivate hunger within us, a spiritual hunger that causes us to reach out to God and, and take hold of everything that he has for us. Hunger is what release, releases miracles. And at, at Oceans, I want us to be hungry. So the question is, how do we cultivate then spiritual hunger? And there's three ways we can cultivate spiritual hunger in our own, in our own life. And the first of all is really simple, just simply to choose it. Everyone say, choose it. Choose it. It's, it's a choice. Number one, we just got to choose it. Choose to hunger. See, we've all got hunger, right? We've all got hunger for something. There, there, there's a drive within us, but, but it's up to us as to where we're going to direct our hunger. What am I going to angle my hunger towards? And it will happen either by default or by design. It's like you've got a default setting on your phone, right? Default settings. And then you see the post about privacy and you've got the instructions about how you need to go into the settings and find out and you need to undo the default and actually make a choice rather than the default. And, and our hunger, there's, we, have, we have a default to actually gravitate towards fulfilling our flesh, making us feel good. We don't, we don't actually naturally gravitate towards God. We've got to choose hunger. And there's a king, King Rehoboam, he actually inherited a faith from his parents but he didn't choose it. His parents had a faith, but he didn't choose it himself. And this is what he says, a very sobering scripture. It says in 2 Chronicles 12, 14, it says, Rehoboam did evil. He missed out on what God had for him. He didn't operate as king in the way that God had intended. He's a, a broken image of who God created him to be. For he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. Simply by that, it's like, by not intentionally setting his heart to seek God, he did evil. I, I don't even know whether he set out to do evil, but the, de- the default was that because he didn't intentionally go into the heart settings of his heart and set his heart to seek God, as a result, he just did what we all do. He just did what we all do. We all have a default setting to run from God, to hunger after things that aren't spiritual, that aren't good. He thought that an inherited faith was enough. And so we have a choice. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 to 8. It says, don't be misled. You, can't, you cannot mock the justice of God. You always harvest what you plant. If you plant, if you go after spiritual food, you're going to be spiritually satisfied. If you fuel life up with other things, you're going to be spiritually malnourished. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. It's like we've just got a choice. Maybe, what, what, maybe you could sum it like this. You could summarize it or another picture to think about. is like I've heard of the picture being where you've got two dogs inside of you. The one you feed the most wins. Um, we can either feed the dog that's like, feed me, or the spiritual dog. And the one we feed the most will win. There's a battle going on inside of us. And so, um, and when you, when you begin to choose it, to, God, I'm going to hunger after you. I'm going to choose to change the default setting of my heart, and I'm going to set my heart to seek you. It won't come that naturally. And it's the same with physical food, right? When, when you're beginning to eat healthy food, your taste buds begin to change over time. And in the rare times where I've been on a pretty good run with healthy food, 
you begin to develop a bit of a distaste for unhealthy food. You eat that bit of chocolate and you're like, oh, it's actually like quite sickly sweet. But the more healthy food you eat, the more your taste buds begin to change. And so step one is like choose it and just know that it'll be a bit of a journey. Just know that your self will be a bit resistant to it. And it's okay. But just take the small steps. Be patient. Know that your spiritual taste buds will change over time. And you'll find that some of those other things get to fall away. So one, choose it. Number two is really simple. Fill your pantry with spiritual food. Fill your pantry with spiritual food. What do you do when you're hungry at home? Where do you look? The pantry or the or the fridge. That's right. The pantry or the fridge. When you're hungry, you're like, you know the 15th time you check it? No new food will appear. I don't know. <laughs> we all try, don't we? Maybe this time. Maybe this time. <laughs> I checked 27 times yesterday. Maybe it's another 10th time. Oh, it's a ready meal prepared meal. It's a ready-made meal. It's amazing. It sits there in the fridge ready to heat up. Thank you, Lord. But it just doesn't. And what are you going to do? you just got to satisfy for whatever is in the pantry. Whatever you fill your pantry with, that's what you eat when you're hungry. I'll just eat whatever's there. We need to, we need to be... And, and you know what? It's, it's what you've filled your pantry with in the past is what you get to eat in the present. And so we've got to be intentional. If you want to eat a healthy, um, have a healthy lifestyle, what are you going to do? Fill your trolley with healthy food. Fill your pantry with healthy food. So when you're hungry and you go to the pantry, you're like, oh, broccoli. <laughs> Guess I'm going to eat the broccoli. <laughs> but when you're hungry, like you would eat anything, won't you? Um, and so we, can, we have a choice. Either we're going to fill our pantry with, with junk food or with healthy food. We've all got a choice as to what we fill our pantries up with. It's like shop now to eat healthy later. We need to plan ahead of time and fill our pantries or the, the treasury of our heart with good, healthy food. And there's one man from the Bible, one man in, in ancient Israel, it was King David's son Solomon, who thought he could fill his pantry with the wrong food but still be healthy. So he filled his pantry out with junk food, thinking that somehow he could still remain healthy. And this is what we find ourselves doing. And so King Solomon, a bit of history is, and we see this um, in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1 to 6. It says this, it says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. So he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. That's 1,000 women that he had in his harem. Now, in, in no way am I trying to diminish the, the amazing value of women. I'm married to one and, and love them and have a daughter. So please forgive the analogy. But in Solomon's pantry was a thousand women. And, and it's not, it, it, there's no problem with the women at all. They're just doing their thing. They're just doing their thing. The problem was Solomon for what he put in his, there's nothing wrong with them. You get my point, don't you? Whew, oh, going, hello. Careful. Let me say again, the women were not the problem. The problem was Solomon. Thank you. In Jesus, the man. That's right. And I actually agree with that statement, largely. 
Gee, man, we, we just, we'll, we'll get there one day. Maybe one day. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, girls, just for our madness sometimes. Um, and, guess, and get this, you read the next bit, and it says, In fact, they did turn his heart away, or he let them turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God as his father David had been. He worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely as father David had done. And so this god Molech, one of the things they required to do of the worshippers of this so-called god of Molech, which is really just a, a demonic god, is to sacrifice babies into the fire. Like, so Solomon, as an act of his worship, the wisest supposed person has ever lived, who, by the way, saw God twice. I mean, you think if you saw God once, it's like, man, you're good for life. But he saw God twice. And the wisest man supposedly that ever lived, he ended up throwing living babies into the fire as an act of worship and sacrifice to the God of Molech. It's like, how did he get there? How did he get from there to here? Well, again, it all came down to what did he fill his pantry with? What, what did he fill his heart? What did he, what did he allow into his heart? Luke 6 verse 45, this is the words that Jesus said. He said, a good person produces good things from the treasury or the pantry or the fridge of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury or the pantry or the fridge of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And so the key is... The question tonight is, what are we filling our hearts with? What are we putting into our, the pantry or the fridge of our heart? Have you ever heard your heart being called a fridge? <laughs> You're so frigid. What do we feel? What do we feel? What do we, what do we allow to be, become the affection of our heart? You know, sometimes we can, we can forget that actually if we have greater affection for other things in God, it's actually called idolatry. When, when we elevate and we have more affection and desire and love for the eagles than God, it becomes idolatry. I know for me, I've got, I've got, it's a fine line sometimes. Um, or if we have more affection than another, for another person, another place, another something, and, and it can be, we don't love church more than God, we love God, but, but church can be a reflection of what is in our heart. What are we prioritizing with our time? What are, we, what are we giving our affections and our desires to? And so to fill our pantry, we need to walk down the right aisles, right? And we need to avoid certain aisles. You see, Jess never sends me shopping anymore. Because I go shopping, Jess is like, can you go and get the bread and the milk? I'm like, yep. And I get there with my trolley rather than a little green you know, basket. And I get my trolley and I just find myself walking down the wrong aisles. I'm like, whoa, how did that end up in my trolley? And my arm just like, must have subconsciously flung out. There's the Maltesers in there. I didn't. Woo. It's like I walked down the wrong aisle. It's like it's just a subconscious thing. But what I need to do is to avoid the aisles, or in Jess's case, avoid the shop altogether. And so we need to avoid the junk food aisles. And so what aisles do you need to avoid in your life? What, what aisles? What programs? What situations? What people? What places do you need to avoid in order to walk down, avoid the aisles where you're going to be tempted to fill the pantry of your heart with the wrong things that aren't spiritual food that will satisfy your spiritual longing. And I just want to give us some quick tips about where we need to go 
and the right aisle, the best aisle to walk down, it's really, it's, it's amazing, it's called the ancient paths. Everyone say the ancient paths. It sounds really wise, doesn't it? Everyone say the ancient paths. The ancient paths are actually the best paths. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads, at that place of indecision. Where do I, what do I do? Where, where do I go? Stop at the crossroads and look around and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. This is the good way. It's tried and true. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But then the nation of Israel at that time was going, well, that's not the road we want. We want something new. We want something fresh. We want a sugar rush. We want it now. We want junk food, the quick and easy. And so often we want the quick and easy and the junk food and the sugar rush rather than the ancient paths. What, what, the aisles that we are invited by God are the same that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. When we are spiritually hungry, we go to the Word of God. We go to the Bible. It's the ancient paths, spending time, understanding, eating the Word of God in Scripture, in the Bible. Not just reading it, ticking the box, but God, I'm going to eat this. I'm not only going to be a hearer of the Word. That's great, a good tip. That's when we put it into practice. We become spiritually fed with the best meal, most satisfying meal we can have. And, you know, it's better to have small, regular meals of the Bible, even one verse, one part, every day than it is to read a big chunk every now and then. To cultivate a habit in our life to go down the ancient paths, spending time with God in prayer. Be real about where you're at. You know, where is the blue dot on the GPS of your life right now? Maybe you're not where you want to be, where you think you supposedly should be. Be honest with God in prayer. Go, God, here I am. I come to you. And you know what? He's right there. He's right there with us. He makes us where we really are. As we're authentic and real with Him. Spending time with Him in prayer and in worship. Another one, the ancient path, is the gathering. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25, it says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another, to motivate one another. You know, in another translation, it says to spur one another on. It's almost to agitate each other. Have you ever been agitated? Maybe by me, most probably. Um, and, and, and there's an agitation. Come on. We didn't see you last week. Come on. Come to dinner party. Come on. It's oh, all right. It's like sometimes we need to be like a spur in each other's side just to motivate each other to eat spiritual food, let us think of creative ways, of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. How does that happen? Well, it happens when you're known, when you belong, when people actually know who you are. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. An ancient path is to make a priority of the habit, of the weekend, of the week out, the gathering together of the saints to encourage one another towards God, towards spiritual food, Dinner parties. We Dan talked about dinner parties. By the way, if you're here for the first time, dinner parties run every single Thursday night from seven till nine p.m. and um, all across Perth. We have about ten here in Perth, and and they are a great way for you to get connected in to have authentic relationship. We can build a level of relationship here, um, but it's it's limited. But if you want a more intimate relationship, that's where the where the real stuff happens. And so, dinner parties is where it's at. Videos, podcasts. What are we watching on TV? Podcasts. Spending time with with God in worship, 
following the ancient paths and cultivating a spiritual hunger after God. If you want to increase your spiritual hunger for the next level, can I also suggest fasting as well, going without food for temporarily, saying, I'm going to just press pause on my physical hunger so I can turn up the volume on my spiritual hunger. And, and I've done that in increments throughout my life, and, and it is absolutely transforming. Um, and, and number three, this is a really quick one. Is number three. First one is to choose it. Second one is to fill your pantry. Fill your pantry with spiritual food. And the third is to give it away. So when you when people come over and you cook for other people, you get rid of your, your, your pantry is empty. And what do you need to do? You need to fill it again. And then you give it away. And then you fill it again. And when you when you give it away, when you Proverbs chapter ten verse twenty one says the lips of the righteous feed many. And when you come when you serve someone else. When you give away what you've got, the spiritual food that you've got to other people, it actually creates this spiritual momentum in your life. When you begin to see God move at a, at a whole other level, you begin to step out of faith, you step out in faith to serve other people. And it cultivates a spiritual hunger. God, I need you to come through for me. I've come to the end of myself. But God, I call upon your name and God is so faithful. So I want to encourage you, the more you give, the more you are hungry after more of God.